Good morning, church. How are we feeling today? Oh, come on. You had an extra hour of sleep. How are you feeling today? <laughs> oh, I hope you had an extra hour of sleep. If you had little kids, then perhaps they just woke up whenever they wanted to wake up. But for the rest of you, congratulations. You got the extra hour of sleep. I'm thankful that you've chosen to join us today with the extra energy, the extra excitement, the extra sleep. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm extra excited to see you this morning, baby. <laughs> Hopefully that wasn't too awkward for you. <laughs> Speaking of babies, next week we've got baby dedications at both the 9 and the 10.30. So if you've got a little kiddo you want to dedicate on stage, get signed up uh, so you can have them be a part of the service next week. And then that night, uh, to next week, the evening of November 10th, we have our one church night of worship. I would encourage you to bring the, fa the family. Excuse me. Uh, it's going to be a great time at McGee Park. Even if it's 15 degrees outside, you don't have to wear 15 jackets because it's going to be indoors inside the convention center. So it's going to be a fantastic time. Now this morning, we're starting a brand new series called All In. Everybody on the count of three say All In. One, two, three. All in. Say it a little bit louder. One, two, three. All in. Like you're pushing chips in and saying All In. One more time. One, two, three. <laughs> Have you ever been in the position where you had to be all in or all out? My 30th birthday, when I turned 30 just last month, just kidding, I was a few years ago, but when I turned 30, my family and I, we decided we were going to go to Las Vegas and celebrate because my birthday falls on my mom's birthday. Uh, I, my name actually means, in Hebrew, Matthew means gift of God, so I frequently remind my mom, I was a gift of God to you on your birthday because I was born on your birthday. So, so for my 30th, my, my mom and I decided let's have a collaborative birthday celebration. We decided let's go to Las Vegas. So my mom came, my dad, my sister Mindy, her husband Travis, my wife Ashton, my Aunt Diane, who we call Aunt Di, all seven of us, we show up to Las Vegas to celebrate and have this collaborative birthday party. So when we're in Vegas, we're sitting there inside the, the living room of this timeshare that my parents own, and as we're sitting there and talking about uh, what to do, we're like, what, what, what could we do that's big and memorable? Like, go big or go home, right? So we're in Vegas. What can we do to celebrate our two birthdays? And so people are throwing out ideas in my family. They're like, let's go to the Blue Man Group. I'm like, eh, that's weird. People covering themselves in blue paint. That's just odd. Somebody else says, well, let's just go to the, the M&M factory. And I'm like, nah, it doesn't really speak like 30th birthday. I mean, let's do something bigger. Somebody says, let's go to the, the top of the stratosphere. Somebody else said, let's go to Fremont Street. I don't know why, by the way, anybody in the right mind would go to Fremont Street. That place is like the worst place in all of, uh, all of the earth. Anyway, so people are throwing out different ideas. Let's go to the Garth Brooks concert. Let's go to the, the Britney Spears concert. Oops, I did it again. No, no, I'm not going to see Britney Spears. So as all these different ideas are getting thrown out, I blurt out this idea. I say, well, let's go skydiving. Now, I'll be honest with you. I was bluffing. I didn't really want to go skydiving. I, what I really wanted to do, I wanted to go to the Aria because the Aria has an all-you-can-eat crab leg buffet. They got Alaskan king crabs. They got snow crabs. For like 40 bucks, all you can eat. You could just sit there for like five hours and gorge yourself on crab legs. So I wanted to say that, but it didn't sound very like 30th birthday-ish. And so I threw out this little other alternative idea that I didn't really mean. Let's go skydiving. Yeah, that sounds fun. But I didn't really mean it. But then my dad looks at me. He says, I'm in. I'm like, oh no, this is totally backfired. I was bluffing, but now, now my dad's saying he's in. But, but the reality, my dad's not gonna go skydiving. He's not gonna, he's not gonna actually go and get into a plane. So he says, I'm in if mom's in. Well, I look at my mom, I'm like, it's her birthday, but you know, she's not gonna go get into a perfectly good airplane and jump out of an airplane. This is not gonna happen. She's not going to, to jump out of an airplane and go skydiving. She says, she says, I'm in if Mindy is in. I looked at my sister Mindy, and I'm like, oh, this is not going a good direction. <laughs> 
But Mindy, like she doesn't even go on roller coasters. And I was like, I don't have nothing to worry about. Mindy's not going to sign up to go skydiving. She says, I'm in if Travis is in. So I looked at Travis, her husband, and I'm like, dude, this guy does not like adventure at all. Like, he, he would rather sit on the couch and watch football all day. There's no chance he's going to sign up to go, to go skydiving. So I'm like, I- I'm okay. Well, Travis says, well, I'm in if Aunt Di is in. Now, mind you, Aunt Di is like 75 years old at this point. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. Like, there's no way a 75-year-old is going to get into a plane and jump out of it. I looked at Aunt Di, and she smiles. She says, I'm in if Ashton is in. I'm like, are you kidding? You're 75! No way! I looked at my wife, Ashton, and I'm like, babe, everybody's in if you're in. Thank goodness I know you're not going to go skydiving, so you can stop this crazy train from being even crazier. She looks at me, she says, I'm in. (laughs) She was the seventh person to say it. There's nobody else to say anything else. And so at first I started to freak out a little bit, but then I was like, you know what? They're all bluffing. They're all calling my bluff. Nobody, nobody in their right mind is going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. They're all lying. Nobody's going to do anything. No, nothing's going to come from this. And as I'm thinking that, I'm, I'm actually okay because we're not going to really go skydiving. I see my dad pick up his phone and he starts dialing a number. I'm like, Dad, who are you calling? He said, I'm calling the skydive place. I'm like, do you just know the number by heart? Like, who memorizes skydiving numbers? Like, how do you know how, who to call? And he holds up a magazine that happened to be sitting on his, on his lap. It was a t- magazine from the timeshare, and on the back cover, Skydive Las Vegas, and there's the big, bold phone number, and he was dialing the phone number on the back of the magazine. I'm like, oh, oh no, maybe they won't be available. Maybe they're all booked. He gets them on the phone. Yeah, we have a group of seven people. Do you think we can all go at the same time? Yeah, you can? Cool, what's the earliest time we can do it? Tomorrow morning? Cool, sign us up, we're in. Hangs up the phone, I'm like, Oh, no. No, no, no. I was, I was bluffing. I didn't want to say I was bluffing, but in my mind, I'm freaking out. I was bluffing. I didn't really want to go skydiving. The rest of the day, we did nothing exciting. We're all just like, uh, what did we sign up to do? The next morning, we, I don't think we, we slept. We tried to sleep, but the next morning, uh, we get up. I think I ate half a granola bar because I couldn't eat anything else for breakfast. I was so freaked out. Uh, the morning, I'm, I'm walking everywhere in the condo. I'm like, I'm going to jump out of a plane today. This is great. This is the stupidest idea. Why ever wanted to say this out loud? Anyway, so we all pile into two different cars. We start driving to the airport outside of Las Vegas Strip. We get to the airport, and there's a hangar for Skydive Las Vegas. We, there's a hangar out there, and we walk in. There's pictures and posters of people who, who have skydived in the past. And so we walk in, and we're like, okay, maybe, maybe the, everything's going to shut down. Maybe the electricity turns off. Maybe this is not going to work. So they, they say, wow, welcome. Come on in to Skydive Las Vegas. You've got to fill out some paperwork. So I start reading it. Basically, the paperwork, in case you're curious, says, if you die, you cannot sue us. Which is kind of confusing, because I was like, well, how would I sue you if I was dead? Anyway, so I go ahead and sign it. So you turn in the paperwork. They give you a flight suit, and it's illegal to skydive without having somebody strapped to your back for the first time. You can't just go jump out of a plane in case you're curious and you decide to do that on a Southwest flight. You can't. It's illegal. You would die anyway. But anyway, so uh, you, you, get, you get strapped to a person. You go tandem for the first time. So all seven of us are going to be in the same plane, but we're all strapped to a random stranger who has done this in the past. And so we all start going out to the tarmac where the plane is, and we all start loading in, and, and they say, okay, the, 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 we're going to put you in in reverse order. And I'm like, well, I, I've heard this somewhere before. The last will be first, and the first will be last. I don't know where I've heard this before, but... Anyway, so they start loading everybody into the, the plane, and the last people to get on, which are the first to jump out, is myself, my, my wife, Ashton, and my sister, Mindy. Everybody else is loaded in. We're the last to get in, which means we're the first ones to jump out. And I'm like, why in the world? Did I sign up to do this? So close the door, close the hatch in the back of the plane. We start taking off and taxing down the runway. We take off. We start circling the skies of Las Vegas, 1,000 feet, 3,000 feet, 5,000 feet, 10,000 feet. And that's where you jump is 10,000 feet. So they open up the back hatch of the plane. 
earth sounds like a hurricane. I'm like, So Mindy, my sister, is the first one closest to the door. She's the first one to jump. And so they had already explained, here's how it's going to go down. We're going to push you to the edge, and we're going to count to three. One, two, three. And then we're going to jump. And so they're moving my sister to the edge. And, and the guy's set, yelling out loud. He's saying in her ear, one, two, three. And boosh, she's gone. And I'm like, You know those movies where like the plane's flying along and the plane blows up in the air and people are getting sucked out of the plane? You know they're falling to their death. That's what it would look like. I feel like I just watched my sister die. Like she just fell out of a plane. And as I'm grieving the loss of my sister, they're moving my wife Ashton to the edge. <laughs> oh, babe, I love you. I love you. Don't forget that I love you. One, two, three. She's gone. Oh, it's my wife. And as I'm grieving the loss of my sister and my wife, they're moving me to the edge. I'm next up. And the guy's like, are you ready for this? I'm like, no, I'm not ready for this. He's like, okay, ready? Count of three. One, boosh, and he throws me. So I'm falling, and he flips me on my back for a second to see the plane that I'm falling out of. So I have, you know, the idea that there's nothing connecting me to the plane any longer. I'm free falling. In this moment, this scariest, most horrific moment of my entire life, we happened to capture on video. So check it out. <laughs> Welcome to Sky High Las Vegas. <laughs> you getting ready to strap yourself to a strange man and jump out of a plane. You ready for that? This is the dream of my life. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> <laughs> to say I didn't die. Thank you. <laughs> I will say this. If you have never gone skydiving ever in your life, I would put it on your bucket list. Do this before the day that you die. Maybe it's the same day. Who knows? <laughs> even if you're 75 years old, my aunt died, jumped out of that plane. I would encourage you, even if you're 75 years old, add it to your bucket list and go do this. Now here's, here's what you need to understand about skydiving if you choose to go and skydive. You can't skydive halfway. It's not possible. You can't be like, no, nah, kind of go skydiving, kind of not. Like, you can't do that. You're either all in with your jump, and you jump out of the plane, or you're all out of the skydiving, and you stay in the plane, which, quite frankly, I was tempted to do that, and just be like, just let me stay in the plane. I'll just, just stay in the plane. Just let me land the plane. You're either all in with the jump, or you're all out. Quite frankly, I think this is how God intends our relationship with him to be as well. Either all in or all out. Now, sometimes, sometimes it's difficult because we have one foot in with God, one foot out in, in, in God, uh, with our relationship with God. But God doesn't expect us to be right in the middle, one foot in, one foot out. Can you imagine trying to skydive where you're like half hanging out the plane, your legs flapping against the wind? Like, it's just not going to go well for you. 
But Jesus also says, it's not gonna go well for you either if you're half in, half out when it comes to your relationship with God. Look at what Jesus says in the book of Revelation. Revelation three, he's speaking to the church. He says this to the church. Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now that might sound pretty drastic, extreme, from a God who's all about grace and love and forgiveness. But it makes sense that God's not all about people who are lukewarm, lukewarm, half in, half out. And the reason why is because when you're somebody who's lukewarm in your relationship with God, two things happen. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. First thing that happens is this. You damage your reputation. When you're half in, half out, you damage your own reputation. Now, here's why. When you say you're all about something, but then you don't live that out, people start to lose respect for you. When you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it, people don't trust you anymore. People don't trust somebody who is not trustworthy. And if you're doing things that are not earning you trust, people lose respect for you. They're not trusting you. You, you are damaging your own reputation. Look at what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 5. He says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. God has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Don't do something or say something and then not do it. Don't not follow through with what you say you're going to do. Verse five, it is better to not make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Verse six, do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Not only are you sinning, when you say you're gonna do something and you don't follow through, that's called a lie. Not only are you lying, not only are you sinning, but you're damaging your, your reputation. Or there's, there's something else that you're damaging as well. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. You're damaging God's reputation. Not only are you damaging your reputation, you're damaging God's. Now the reason why is because when you say you're a follower of God and then you don't have character, integrity, when you say this is important for you as a Christian and then you live a different lifestyle, people, people see that and they, they observe that and they're like, well, well shoot, if that's how you are, I want nothing to do with you. A person of no character, no integrity, you're not trustworthy, I don't want anything to do with you, but I also don't want anything to do with your God. I don't want anything to do with your faith, your religion, with your Jesus, with your Christ. That's why Gandhi, I believe, said this. I've shared this quote before, and I'll share it again. Gandhi said this. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. You and I, when we say that we're all about something and then we don't follow through, when we say we're going to do something and we don't follow through, you're damaging your reputation. You're damaging God's reputation. I've heard it said this way before. Shot to the heart and you're to blame. You give love. <laughs> you Bon Jovi people, you. <laughs> Who would have thought you'd ever sing Bon Jovi or Britney Spears in church? Nobody. Nobody wants to give God a bad name. Nobody wants to give love a bad name. Nobody wants to, to tarnish their own reputation. Now, I, I would presume the fact that you're here at church or you're perhaps watching on the live stream right now, I would presume that you're more inclined to be all in for God as opposed to all out for God. So you get to pick. Jesus says, choose one or the other. Be hot or cold. One or the other. Be all in or be all out. You make your choice. But the fact that you're here right now or you're watching right now implies that you're probably more inclined to be all in than all out. Now, God also wants you to be all in. He doesn't want you to be all out, but he also doesn't want you to have one foot in, one foot out. He doesn't want you to be lukewarm. So I would encourage you, be somebody who is not all out. Be somebody who is not lukewarm. And that begs the question, how? How do I be somebody who is 100% all in when it comes to my relationship with God? That's a great question to ask yourself, and, and let's answer that together. If you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 3 in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 3. 
Now, as you turn to Daniel 3, let me explain the kind of the historical context as far as what we're about to read. We're about to look at a story with King Nebuchadnezzar in it. Everybody say Nebuchadnezzar. Name your next kid that. That would just be awesome. I think that's a fantastic name, Nebuchadnezzar. It's just fun to say. Anyway, so King Nebuchadnezzar, he is the king. He's the ruler over the Babylonian Empire. Now, the Babylonian Empire is this massive area that took thousands of years ago. There's a lot of people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that lived in the Babylonian Empire. Right in the middle of it was the city of Babylon. Babylon is not just a song by David Gray. It's actually a city that existed thousands of years ago. Babylon was the largest city in the entire world thousands of years ago. At its peak, at its prime, it was, it was estimated that around 200,000 people lived in the city of Babylon. That's about five times the size of Farmington or about the number of people that are at Walmart in Farmington right now. Uh, there's a lot of people that come in from everywhere on the weekends. Anyway, so 200,000 people that are a part of this town in Babylon. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's over them all. He's responsible. He's the leader. He's the guy at the top for all these hundreds of thousands of people. So because he's at the top of all of it, he starts to get an inflated ego. He starts to be filled with pride, so much to the point where he starts to look at himself in the mirror as God himself. He thinks of himself as God. It's so much to the point where he says, you know what? I want, I want my people to build me a statue, a statue that everybody else can worship and bow down to my golden statue. I want them to worship me. That's where we pick up the story. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six, six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He sets up this statue in the middle of Babylon. Now, we don't, don't oftentimes talk about cubits and all that. So here's the equivalency. 60 cubits is the equivalency of about 30 yards. 30 yards is about the equivalency of about 90 feet. 90 feet is about the same as not a nine-story tall building. This is the size, the height of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar is having built for him. A nine-story tall statue made out of gold, all to bring glory and honor and worship to the King Nebuchadnezzar. So they build this massive statue, nine-story tall statue. They build the statue, and then they bring in people from all over Babylon. Hey, everybody, everybody show up. We're going to dedicate this statue, and during the dedication, we want everybody from Babylon to show up. So they invite everybody. Everybody from Babylon shows up for the dedication of the statue. And once they get everybody there, the herald of the king, who's kind of like the speaker of the house when you watch like the, the State of the Union address on the news, the guy that comes out, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. There's like a guy that, that was like that for the king. His name was the herald. So the herald came out, and and he would make all the proclamations on behalf of the king. So everybody's gathered around for the dedication of the statue. Verse 4, that's where we jump back in. The herald proclaimed out loud to all these people, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, these are all instruments, the, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, when you hear the music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. This is an introduction of a brand new law that didn't exist before. When you hear the music, you bow down and you worship. I call this the weekend at Bernie's law. If you've never seen the weekend at Bernie's, add that to your bucket list right out, right alongside jumping out of an airplane. Uh, fantastic movie. Basically, the premise is that there's this guy, but he's always laying on the ground, he's dead. But anytime music plays, he stands back up and he starts dancing because the music is playing. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's making this law. Anytime you hear the music, you don't stand up and dance, you bow down and worship. Anytime you hear the Cotton Eye Joe, the Get Up Challenge, anytime, anytime you hear like Gangster's Paradise or whatever it is, you bow down and you worship the statue. So the herald comes out and proclaims that during the dedication, but then he says this, verse six, he says, here's the repercussions if you don't listen. If you don't bow down, verse six, 
Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Now, in other words, he's basically telling everybody in Babylon, you should get t-shirts that says worship or die. Which, quite frankly, I think that'd be kind of a cool t-shirt. We could wear that at one church together next Sunday night. <laughs> worship or die. But that's the, that's the declaration that they're making. Everybody, you, you bow down and worship when you hear the music playing, or you get thrown into the fiery furnace. So they implement this new law, this new decree. And every time the music plays, every time, you know, some you know, banjo's playing, whatever it is, people bow down and they worship the golden statue. Except a couple days go by, and there's a couple young men who don't bow down. And somebody observes the fact that these young men are not bowing down. And so they run to the king to rat out the guys who are not bowing down. Here's what happens, verse 9. These guys show up to King Nebuchadnezzar. They declare to the king, oh, king, live forever. They're kissing his butt, basically. Live forever, king. We love you, king. But then they get into verse 10, which is what they really wanted to say. You, oh, king, you've made a decree. You've made a law. You made a new rule that every man who hears the sound of the horn and all the instruments and every other kind of music, anytime the music plays, everybody's supposed to bow down and worship the golden image. Verse 11, and whoever does not fall down, king, you said that if they don't worship, they should be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Verse 12, there are certain Jews, king, whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, here's what's interesting about verse 12. I like how these guys start off talking. They're ratting out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they start off, they're like, there's certain people, not going to say any names, not going to say any specifics, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they're not bowing down. How often is it times where like people around you, I'm not going to say names, but okay, in the, in the honor of a prayer request, I'll go ahead and tell you who I'm talking about. It's exactly what these guys do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not bowing down, king. What are you going to do about it? Now, let me talk to you about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for a second. Oftentimes, when people review the story, they read the story, they hear it preached about, they assume that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are three random people in the crowd in Babylon. But these three young men are not random by any means. These three young men were handpicked by King Nebuchadnezzar to be leaders in Babylon. They're not random teenagers. They're not just rebellious teenagers. They were hand-selected based on characteristics that the king saw in them to put them and elevate them in leadership. In fact, if you go back to the beginning of the story in Daniel chapter 1, in fact, if you have your Bibles, flip a couple pages back to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel 1 verse 4, we see the description of what King Nebuchadnezzar is looking for in the youth that he wants to impart wisdom to and leadership to. Let's go back, Daniel 1 verse 4. Here's some of the characteristics that king, the king was looking for. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were youths without blemish. They had good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. These guys were selected based on their leadership potential. And they weren't the only ones. The king found a bunch of young people that he wanted to have be the next generation of leaders, but he hand-selected them. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three of those people that he handpicked to say, I want to pour into you. I want to mentor you. I want to coach you. I want to guide you. And I want to elevate you to leadership. You get to use your leadership to lead other people. So fast forward to Daniel chapter 3. These guys are leading people in Babylon. They've been established as leaders in the community. And so when the king changed the game, and said, okay, now i got a statue and everybody in this land is going to bow down to me. These three guys who were imparted with leadership, they were tasked with leadership, these guys said, we're not going to do that. You've asked us, king, to lead and that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to lead by not bowing down to your pagan, your pagan statue. 
So these guys don't bow down. People come and snitch them out. They, they come in and say, king, live forever, king. There's guys, a couple guys that you've appointed over Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not bowing down when the music plays. So going back to Daniel 3, Daniel 3, verse 13, the king is angry. He's furious. Daniel 3, 13, then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought forward. So they brought these men before the king. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true? Is it true, guys? He's interviewing them, interrogating. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden statue that I have set up? Is it true? No, you would think. He's asking a question. Give him a chance to respond, right? He doesn't even give him the chance to respond. The king keeps talking. Verse 15. Now, if you're ready to hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every other kind of music, if you're ready to hear that and fall down and worship the image that I've made, well and good. No harm, no foul. If you're willing to bow down right now when the music plays, I won't kill you. But if you do not, if you don't worship, you shall be immediately thrown into the burning, fiery furnace and... and who is the God that was gonna, is going to deliver you out of my hands? You get the choice. You get to bow down when the music plays. You get to bow down right here, right now. And I won't hold it against you that you were standing up earlier. But if you don't, I'm going to stoke the fire. I'm going to throw you in to your death. If this was you, what would you do? You get a choice. If I continue to be all in for God, it might cost me my life. If I continue to take a stand for my faith and my beliefs, it might cost me everything. What would you do? Here's how these three young leaders responded. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered instead of the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. What a bold statement that is. We don't, we don't, we don't answer to you, we answer to God. We have no need to answer you in this matter. Verse 17, if this be so, if you're about to throw us into the fiery furnace, if this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. These guys are bold. They're courageous. They're taking a stand. We have confidence, king. We don't answer to you for one, but, but we're just telling you, we have confidence that our God is able to save us. And we have the confidence that God will deliver us, one way or another, will deliver us from, from, the, from your hand, O king. But then look at what they say in the next verse, 18. But if not, that's a powerful statement. We believe God's able to save us. We believe that he will save us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will still not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Wow. You see, this is where so many people get off track in their faith. This is where you get people who are all in and all of a sudden become all out. This is where you get people who are all in and then lose their faith altogether. This is oftentimes where you get people who are all in and be like, well, well maybe I'll be all in, part all in, part all out. You see, here's how, how things happen oftentimes in church. When people come to church, Oftentimes they come and they hear the message of the good news of the gospel because the gospel is good news. That's literally what gospel means. It means good news. They hear verses like John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. People hear those types of verses. And oftentimes that's, that's engaging for people. They're like, you know what? I want that. I want a rich and satisfying life. I want to follow after Jesus. I'm going to make him the Lord of my life. So they make a declaration and they say, okay, I'm all in, God. I'm pushing all my chips in. And then what they do after that is they, they get baptized. They sign up to get baptized. Like we had dozens of people last week get baptized. They make a public declaration. I'm all in, God. I'm going under the water. I'm dying my old ways. I'm going to come back up. And it's a celebration. The scripture says when one sinner repents and turns towards God, that all of heaven stops and angels celebrate. 
which is why we have cookies and balloons and all that in the plaza last, last week. We join in the celebration. When people say they're all in, that is worth celebrating. I'm not knocking that at all. But here's oftentimes what happens next. People say, I'm all in. I'm willing to get baptized. I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to go to church. I'm willing to pray. But only if things go my way, God. I'm all in as long as you do for me what I want you to do for me, God. I'm all in, but this person over here, God, this person over here, that, they wronged me, they hurt me, so I know that your word says we should forgive people, but God, I, I gotta take some of these chips and put it over here because I, I don't really trust that. I'm all in over here, but I, I'm holding a grudge over here. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give resentment to this person. I'm gonna harbor against them in my heart. I'm all in, God, except for that, except for when it comes to forgiveness for the people that have wronged me. Loving my enemies, that sounds like a little much, so I'm all in, kind of. God, I'm all in when it comes to my relationships. Man, I've been waiting to get married, and it's been a long, long time. So in the meantime, as I'm waiting, you know, I, I want to, I you know, try the cow before I buy the cow, right? I want to test drive the car before I buy the car. So I'm going I'm to sleep with her. I'm going to spend time with her. We're going to move in together, even though I know that's not biblical. So I'm all in, God, except for, you know, it's 2019. Who does that? God, you're old school, man. So I'm all in over here, but over here, I, I'm doing things my way because I don't quite trust the way you say in your word. God, I'm all in. I'm all in in my marriage, God. But man, have you seen the way that my wife looks at me? I can't love her, God. I know I'm supposed to love her. I'm supposed to love her like, like Jesus loves the church. But man, it's hard to love her when she looks at me. God, I can't love my husband. He doesn't respect me. He doesn't give me the kind of adoration that I need. So I'm not going to love him. I'm not going to respect him. So I'm all in over here, God, but I can't give you everything because I'm, I'm going to keep doing things my way over here. God, I'm, I'm all in when it comes to worship. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to get here on time, so I, I, know, I know scriptures say that if I don't worship, the rocks will cry out, but, but you know, it, it's hard getting here on a Sunday morning. So I'm all in over here, but over here, I might show up 15 to 20 minutes late every single Sunday and make that a recurring habit. Shoot, I might even leave church early because, you know, either I gotta pick up my kids, I gotta go fight traffic out there, I got lunch to get to, so I'm all in over here with this part, but over here, I'm gonna reserve that time for me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna dismiss myself early, I'm gonna come late every, every single Sunday. I'm all in, God, I'm all in with my finances, I'm all in, but God, I don't make a lot of money. Shoot, you know, maybe when I start making more money, maybe then I'll start being, you know, generous. Then I'll start giving. You know, I'm all in. I'm all in, God. But, but you know, I, uh, I got to pay the bills. And I know I, I got I to gotta structure my finances in such a way where I'm honoring you, but, but let, me, let me be honest. I need more chips over here to, to put food on the table. I'm all in, God. I'm all, I'm all in. And all of a sudden, somebody has made a public declaration and said, I'm all in for you, God. I've been baptized. I'm willing to follow you no matter what. All of a sudden, when you realize how many chips are on God's table and your table, you realize you're not. You're not all in. One foot in, one foot out. And you're how God would describe you as lukewarm. That was never the intent. Never had the desire to be somebody who's lukewarm. But God says, I don't, I don't want part of you. I don't, I don't want just pieces of you. I want, I want all of you. I want to encourage you and challenge you as, as we go through this series in the next couple of weeks. Come each one of these services in the next three weeks, next three Sundays leading up to Thanksgiving. The average person, the average churchgoer in 2019 comes once to church. They come to once out of every three weeks. I want to encourage you, come back the next three weeks in a row because we're going to talk more about what it means to be all in. How do you be all in? But but for right now, I have this question for you as we wrap up our time together. The question that I have for you is this, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, but more importantly, I just want you to resonate with this. 
Are you willing to give God what he wants? Are you willing to give God what he wants? Now that begs the question, well, what does God want? Well, somebody asked that question to Jesus. They said, Jesus, of all the commandments, you know, in the Jewish law, there's over 700 commandments. Of all the commandments, what's the most important one? What's the most important commandment of all, of all the commandments out there? And here's how Jesus responded to that question. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with God is not interested in part of you. He wants all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And sometimes we're content with giving him pieces and chips when we're not shoving all in. God is saying, I want all your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, not just a sliver, not a piece, not just this portion of you. I want all of you. Are you willing to give God what he wants? Because what he wants is all of you. Are you all in? This morning, we're going we're gonna to sing a new song, and I want to encourage you, as the band comes out and gets ready for this song, I'm going to invite you to stand and sing in just a moment. But here's what I want you to, to think about. When you're, when you're singing the lyrics of this song, I want you to ask yourself, am I really all in? The title of this song is Follow You Anywhere. Are you willing to follow God anywhere? So my challenge for you is when you stand and sing, sing these lyrics, but sing them if you, if you mean them. Are you willing to follow God anywhere, no matter how the outcome is? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're saying, hey, we're all in, God, but even if you don't save us, we're still all in. No matter the circumstances, no, no matter the results, no matter what comes, I'm all in either way. No matter how things go, whether things are good for me or bad for me, I'm all in, period. I'm willing to follow you anywhere, God. Are you willing to follow God anywhere? So I want to invite you to stand right now, and as we sing together, Ask yourself the question, am I really willing to do what this song is talking about? Am I really willing to follow you anywhere, God?